Welcome back to the Fun Belt Podcast. Uh, on this Selection Sunday, we're recording, but we're uh, actually talking a little bit of baseball, Dusty Thibodeau. Uh, with me always is Dusty Thibodeau. Our good friend Ben Moore is anxiously awaiting what's happening with the Panthers, so he is off tonight, so it's just going to be me and Dusty. But we're going to talk to some old legends of the Sunbelt baseball, then maybe talk a little bit about basketball. What do you think, Dusty? Sounds like a plan. Is this a plan? It's a plan. Well, who, okay. Well, then who do we have in the green room? There's, so, I hear some rustling. I hear some chewing. Well, it's a guy wearing pinstripes. And no, it's not A-Rod, because he did not play in the Sunbelt Conference. It is <sighs> not Aaron Judge. He did not play okay. in the Sunbelt Conference. All right. But it is former Warhawk, third baseman, Chad Bell. Holy hell, Chad Bell. Are you talking about the the leading home run hitter of the Warhawks? That is him. <laughs> so, Jeremy, we've been reaching back into the history of the Sunbelt Conference, talking with different legends of the game. We had Gunnar Leger a couple weeks ago from Louisiana Lafayette. We have a guy mm-hmm. from my neck of the woods there of – ULM, Chad Bell, played for the Warhawks yeah. in 2019, set the school record with 21 home runs. From what I remember, it was supposed to be 25. He got robbed from a couple that were called fouls. It should have been fair. It's not fair. I heard that was is. a bit of a controversy. That, that, that was like a, like a kind of stirred up some sort of hornet's nest in Monroe is, 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 am I reading that right? There just seemed to be some sort of ill will. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) if I was him, I would have been bitter and I would have been remembered more for what I did when it was called foul than, than, you know, than (laughs) the number of home runs that I had. I'd go all George Brett on that issue. Give me back my dinger. (laughs) (laughs) So we bring you Chad Bell. Chad, Tell us about that time in Monroe where you were able to smash 21 home runs, 2019. Where'd the power come from? And is that something you've always been able to do in your career? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I had a really good year, probably the best year of my baseball career, honestly. Um, I wasn't too – I always had power, but I never really hit for power. Um, if that makes sense until really my junior year, some things kind of clicked. Um, but then going into my senior year, I made the decision not to play summer ball. And, um, I really just worked on my swing. I got stronger, um, got in the weight room as much as possible. Um, and then just kind of put on some size and a couple hitting, uh, adjustments with my swing kind of and I just got hot right from the start and kind of just rode the momentum the entire year. I was fortunate enough to put up good enough numbers to keep playing. Kind of a frustrating time there for ULM baseball, not able to always hit the postseason to where you have a chance to get into the, the tournaments or anything like that. I think you failed to make the Sunbelt Conference tournament there your sophomore or junior year. What was uh, What was it that really kind of pushed you to keep going and keep grinding? Yeah, um, obviously my first year, my sophomore year at ULM was was not really what anybody expected. Um, and then 
you know, I learned a lot still um, with it being my first year. Um, and then when uh, Coach Federico got hired, uh, he kind of started turning it around pretty quickly, uh, bringing in his guys. But, yeah, I mean, it's definitely frustrating when you miss out of the conference tournament uh, two years in a row. And then, but at the end of the day, I still love the game and I wanted to stay there. I didn't want to transfer. I wanted to help be part of like the people that created the new culture at ULM. Um, well, not necessarily new, just kind of back to what it used to be back in, in I think the seventies is when they were really good. Um, so yeah, we just kept at it, um, kept working and then made it my senior year and then actually almost, almost went all the way to the championship. I think we lost in the semifinals to Coastal Carolina twice. Coastal Carolina, definitely the stored program here of the Sunbelt Conference. Regardless, though, individually, you were able to get in on the, uh, the MLB draft, and you are now wearing what I – everyone might hate the Yankees, but everyone wants to wear the pinstripes. So what was it like once you heard your name called there in the draft in 2019? Yeah, um, the draft – was kind of a little frustrating, I'd say, just because I had some interest on uh, day two, um, and then I kind of watched all of day two and then ended up not going um, when some teams said they had some interest. So then when to finally hear my name called on day three um, was really cool. Um, like, I, didn't, I, I really didn't have any words for it. But uh, to go to the Yankees – like you said, like everybody wants to put, wear the pinstripes. Um, you hear people say, oh, I play for, uh, you know, the Rockies or really all the other teams. It's like, oh, nice. But when they, you say that you play for the Yankees, it's one of the greatest franchises in all of sports. Uh, so it's definitely cool to be able to be in this organization. Talk about the minor leagues and kind of how the grind is. I mean, you were one of the guys that at the time you went in, there was still rookie ball where you were in – you know, various quote unquote, huge cities of rural Tennessee in the Appalachian <laughs> league. Uh, I was up there myself when I was in the Astros organization uh, at Greenville and uh, yeah, the, you, you better love some Bojangles and cook out and all that fun stuff. Cause that's really all there is around there. Yeah. The towns, the towns are definitely small. Uh, <laughs> I remember we, so our advanced rookie was in uh, Pulaski, Virginia. And, I, I never even heard of it. Um, and I show up and just this tiny town. And then all of a sudden this like beautiful, newly renovated ballpark just pops up out of the corner. Like you're, you're turning this around this mountain. Then all of a sudden the field kind of just pops out of nowhere. Um, so, I mean, the definitely the grind is there. Um, not very many places to eat after games. So like you said, it's Bojangles, McDonald's, Sonic, like, whatever's open just to get food. Uh, we get a post-game meal, but sometimes it's not um, enough for guys. So, but yeah, you definitely have to love the game um, with some of the facilities and you go play at. Uh, I mean, at that level, there's some, some of the fields you have like 20 fans there every night. So it's back like high school or uh, those freezing college games where it's just you and the other team and no fans. But it's getting better. It's getting better for sure. You know, they're increasing paying 
Um, and then this year they came out and said, hey, we're going to pay for your guys' housing. So it's, it's good to see strides being taken, but it's definitely a grind. It's still a grind for sure. So last year made it all the way to double-A baseball. You're early on in spring training this year, but what, what are the early projections of, of where we might be able to see you playing uh, come the summer? You know, I don't, I don't know for sure. Um, that's not up to me. They'll, they'll release rosters um, at the end of spring training. Um, but, you know, I, I hope to go back to Somerset. Um, but like I said, wherever, wherever they start me out, um, I just got to show up ready to go. And if you hit, you hit and just keep moving up, keep, keep making a name for myself. Hey, I wanted to ask you a little bit, Chad, about, about what that was like, the housing situation. It just seemed incredibly out of whack that minor leaguers were having to pay for their own housing situation. What was it? What was the uh, what was the feeling in the clubhouse about that? Was it was there some I don't know. I don't know. Bitterness is the right word. But what how does it feel now knowing that that the major league baseball is finally going to cover that? What I find to be essential. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, the Yankees were pretty helpful. Um, they didn't really charge uh, guys for housing until the season started. And then when the season started, it was like $8 a day for low A. Um, and then it just slowly got more and more. And then once you get to double A, it's pretty much all on your own. Um, and I saw that um, firsthand. I was seeing how expensive it was going to be to rent rooms. And then fortunately, one of our guys um, is from Somerset just outside of Somerset and they offered up their house. So I was fortunate to live with them, but um, yeah, I, it's one of those things where it's like, why are we paying for this when we already get paid so little? Um, so when we found out that they're finally going to pick up the housing, we definitely got, got excited and at least hopeful for making a little bit more because um, most of us have to get jobs or side jobs um, in the offices and just to, be able to play um, during the summer all year because of all the expenses. But it's definitely nice to see strides being taken. You know, those they have those like new organizations. Have you guys seen those on Twitter? Um, the MILP Advocates. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they, yeah. So they're they're obviously reaching and bringing more and more like people aware of the actual grind of minor leaguers, like you say, but. It's getting there. It's getting there. Getting better for sure. From a minor leaguer, minor leaguer perspective, though, are you kind of disappointed to see the lockout in? Because many people don't realize you being down in the minor league, if you're not on a 40-man roster, you weren't going to be affected by the lockout. You were still going to get to play in the player development league, the, the new minor league baseball. With that, you would have been front and center in the limelight. Is it kind of frustrating that, God, I was right there. We, we were going to be, you know, televised and everything else, and then the lockout ends? Um, I, don't, I don't really know if we got really frustrated or disappointed. Um, you know, we're friends with a lot of the guys that were actually locked out, um, whether it's with the Yankees or other teams. Um, so I think it's more of a joy thing. You know, I, don't, I try not to worry about where I stand and what I need to do because all I, at the end of the day I just have to play my game 
Um, and then wherever that takes me, it takes me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I could see some guys may, maybe being frustrated, but for me, it was just like, finally, maybe, maybe things are going to go back to normal now. So one guy that was at ULM that played with you, Keegan Curtis, he's also made it up to the double A ranks. Is, do you kind of keep up with those guys that you played with in the league or even uh, that you faced off in the Sun Belt? Yeah, um, definitely. I try to I try to stay in touch with as many many friends and old teammates as I can, um, just because you know you never know when you're going to need something from them. Um, so I definitely I call I call my friends like Trent Tinglestad. He's with the Mariners. We talk all the time. Keegan and I talk all the time. Um, and then it's fun, you know, seeing either playing with or seeing guys and recognizing them from from where you guys played in college. And we got Zach Green um, from South Alabama. He's in our org. Um, so it's definitely – I definitely try to keep in touch with them for sure. You obviously so, don't know how you're going to react until you get the call. But how do you think that reaction is going to be when it says, hey, pack your bags, you're headed to this city to meet up with the, with the major league club? I, I can't even tell you. Um, I would definitely – Definitely be excited. Um, you know, I've worked pretty much my whole life at chasing this dream. And, um, you know, when that day comes, uh, it's, it's going to be pretty special. Uh, not just for me, but everybody that has helped me um, get to where I'm in today. We talked about, you know, obviously the guys in the Sun Belt, you went up against your old teammates and everything. Do you kind of still sit back and, and follow at least the box scores of the Sun Belt Conference teams and ULM in particular? I do. Um, you know, my relationship with Fed and all the other coaches, Coach Collins, uh, Carlson, Lange, you know, everybody out there, uh, they let me come and use their facilities all the time. So I definitely check in and try to uh, check as many box scores as I can. They don't really televise too many of the games anymore now that the Sun Belt's gone to the ESPN Plus, um, which sucks because you could always used to watch them. But check in on Twitter for sure. To, yeah. For sure. <clears throat> Kat, going back to your old Sunbelt days, um, what were some of the favorite places that you liked to play outside of beautiful Monroe? What were some places that you felt like you played your best baseball? Coastal Carolina, um, I think, was was my number one for sure. The that park is I've never been uh, to Myrtle Beach, and I've, I've always growing up in Colorado. So I tend to like the beach more now. So coastal has got to be number one. Um, I like Georgia Southern too. We only got to play there one time my sophomore year, um, but they got a beautiful park. But I'm trying to think of my best away field. I'd have to say coastal just because of the conference tournament there my senior year. Where'd you well, hate going to? Yeah, and they certainly have great facilities at Coastal Carolina. I think they're probably them in Louisiana, cream of the crop. Am I right? Yes, yeah, for sure. I mean, the Coastal's got to be one of the best in college baseball. With their, I, I know you guys probably don't get to see it, but when we had the rain delay there my senior year, uh, they let us use their weight room to go and just sit down and get out of the dugout. And it's one of the nicest 
weight rooms I've been in, and we've seen, you know, Ole Miss and all the SEC schools. Yeah. ULM's got to be up there now with the with the improvements they made to their field. They put that uh, porch in right behind home, and then they searched everything. It turned out really nice. Well, I'm sure the AE or the A athletic director heard about everybody oohing and aahing about Coastal Carolina's facilities. Like, we got to step up the game. We got we to gotta bring this up. So uh, we don't mean to create trouble or cause, you know, a brouhaha. But yeah. who has the worst facilities in the Sun Belt? Oh, uh, worst facilities in the Sun Belt. I really – I didn't think – I really didn't think anybody had that bad of facilities. Um, the only one that I can think of uh, is Georgia State plays at that city field. But it's still like the playing surface is nice, but it just doesn't feel really like a college stadium. But they're supposed – I thought they were supposed to get a new one, but maybe not. Uh, yeah, they, they, yeah, they got that whole uh, old Braves stadium complex that, that's been kind of converted into their baseball, football, and then I think they built a new on-campus arena for basketball as well. Gotcha. So then, yeah, I mean, the Sun Belt's making strides. You know, adding uh, Southern Miss, too. Their facilities are really good. I don't know about the other three. I never played them or really followed them. It's fun. It's fun to see the uh, sun melt, kind of get more more attention. Well, Chad, thanks for that diplomatic answer to that question because uh, <laughs> we didn't want to get you in trouble with any of your sun belt brethren. But it's always fun to kind of stoke some fire. Yeah, no, I I don't know. No, I personally, I mean, the facilities in Colorado aren't aren't too nice for baseball just because it snows so much there and the weather's not mm -hmm. nice for too long that when I come out here, all these fields are like, wow, you guys have no idea what you guys are, what you have compared to the winter climates. So you're at spring training right now in, in Tampa. What's kind of the average day look like for you? Uh, so we normally have, if we have a meeting, it will be first thing in the morning before workouts. Um, and then we're small groups. So Normally we don't stretch until about nine, um, nine or later, depending on what type of day we have. Uh, and then just workouts in the morning, eat lunch. And then normally there's a, right now there are five inning games. Um, but as the pitchers build up more and more, they'll slowly get closer to nine inning games. And then we're home by four, four or five and then back at it the next day. So when you in in your downtime, what what are you doing? You you still jumping on the Xboxes like the old college days, or, or what's going on uh, at at home? Uh, the our the people we live with, uh, we're all big golfers. So we try to now that a daylight savings happened, um, we're actually going to be able to golf a little bit more. But golf is definitely our getaway. But I have an Xbox. I I don't play it as much as I used to. Not as much as I used to in college, that's for sure. But. <laughs> Other than that, just kind of relax and then just trying to stay healthy and energized for the entire spring and then into the season. I'm good. Chad, you're an excellent interview. Thanks for showing up on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right. So the news out of uh, Selection Headquarters, Dusty Thibodeau, is that the Sun Belt 
is an 11th seed this year. Oh, wait. No, I read that wrong. We're, we're a 16th seed out in the West, and we get Gonzaga. Georgia State, Gonzaga. What do you think of that? Buzzsaw, just waiting to happen. I, I, I will say this. I, I don't like that that 16th seed is basically the body of work throughout the season. I do agree that the Panthers did have their struggles during the regular season, but they definitely turned it on come the latter part of February and going into March in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament that I, I, I don't feel that that is very, a very good indicator of how good that Panthers team is. Should they be at one seed? No, definitely not. But they, they should be up a little bit higher, in my opinion, maybe even that 12 seed that New Mexico State had. And, and I think mm. that would give them a little bit better of a fighting chance than trying to become the second ever 16 over one. <laughs> absolutely. And you know what? You're, you're absolutely right, though, about, about the Georgia State Panthers, where they, they kind of position themselves. Because the beginning of the season, they were a horror show, Dusty Thibodeau. They were tough to watch. They couldn't make shots. I believe Richmond gave them a tremendous thumping earlier in the season. And Richmond is a 12 seed now. So they didn't really have, you know, like this great resume. And the really the only thing going for them is now they have won how many in a row now? Is it 14 in a row? Or is it just 10? Uh, a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a double-figure amount of games that they've poured it on. And I, I, I watched them when they played uh, Arkansas State in the tournament, and I watched them when they played in the finals. I don't know if they really have the juice, of course, to beat Gonzaga. I do, unlike you, you say it's a buzzsaw. Gonzaga has a kind of a, historically has, has had moments where they lack concentration. So maybe Georgia State does something, but you're right. It's, it's a pretty hard ask to ask them to beat Gonzaga, a number one seeded, uh, uh, number one seeded uh, uh, team in the uh, tournament. But I tell you what, I do like this bracket that they're in. It's very interesting. You got Boise State in there. You got Memphis in there. You got UConn in there, who used to be, you know, like the, the number one or one of the best teams yeah, in college basketball, they're back in there. You got New Mexico State in there. So there's some really interesting people in there. So, uh, in fact, it might be the West, this Western bracket might be the one that I pay the most, most attention to. The question I have for you, though, Jeremy, they're playing the West Coast Conference champion, number one seed Gonzaga. Do you consider this a G5 matchup or, or is this the, the true one versus 16? All right. So here's, here's my definition of G5. Uh, I, I, you know, like there's mid-majors, right? And then there's, you know, power five, power programs, right? Or power programs. I, I always think of G5 programs as, as, the group of five that's in football, the, the, conferences, the conferences that play that whole menu of sports. Like Gonzaga, you know, there's no Gonzaga football. You know, there's no, I, 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 I guess they have baseball, but, you know, you, you, they, they don't play that full menu. So the group of five, to me, are, is still the Mountain West, the AAC, the, the, the MAC, you know, and, and Conference USA. 
in in, the, in those guys in Sunbelt. So uh, no, I do not consider Gonzaga to be a Group of Five team at all. Hey, you always got to ask the questions like that. If we don't ask them, no one else will. But here's the thing: we did for a long time. There was an argument: is Gonzaga a mid-major team? And uh, I don't know how could you even call them a mid-major team anymore? You know, they they must be drawing in a huge amount of money for that program. They're constantly a number one seed now. Are they even a mid-major team anymore, Dusty Thibodeau? No, I think they've outgrown that designation, and and they're now, in my mind at least, the same ranks as the traditional, you know, North Carolina Dukes and so forth mm-hmm. that, that win it all. Um, I think that's even true for some of the, the kind of mid-major, mid-major or high mid-majors teams like Xavier teams. Mm-hmm. I think that Loyola Chicago has kind of fallen into that as well with their uh, big runs that they've had. UT Chattanooga to me is another good one. The team that I really like in this tournament, especially for that first round matchup, Former ULM assistant coach, now head uh, associate head coach there at UAB, uh, Ryan Cross, and his UAB Blazers going up as the 12 seed against number five Houston. I like I like the Blazers in that game. Nice. That does sound like a good game. Now, are you checking out the play in brackets? So there's always a good Sunbelt tie to everything. Okay. The- the game that I will probably watch, Texas Southern against Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Okay. Texas Southern, the Tigers, led by head coach Johnny Jones, of formerly of North Texas when they were in the Sun Belt. He was taking the Mean Green to the NCAA tournament, it seemed like every year mm-hmm. with, with his teams, was coach of the year a few times in there as well. Texas A&M Corpus Christi, though, they're, they're always that kind of – you don't know what you're going to get out of that team. Would love mm-hmm. to see the Tigers win. Tigers did have a good run last year in the NIT, I believe making it to the kind of elite eight before falling. So always want to see what they can do there, but I'm going swack. It's always swacktastic. You know, it's what's funny to me is seeing a program like Indiana in a playoff, play, play in game. You know, that, that sort of storied basketball program that you, you never really expected would ever have to suffer the indignity of having to play on a Tuesday. Or is it, yeah, have to play on a Tuesday and play in the play. But you also have Rutgers and Notre Dame in there, too. So they've got some pretty high-profile company. Well, you, you mentioned high-profile of Rutgers and Notre Dame. Those are not basketball schools. And, and, and I think back to my time when I was at Auburn and Penn State came in for a baseball game uh, right around early April, maybe even in February, March. Everyone was so excited. Penn State's coming. Penn State's coming. Penn State is not a baseball school. So after the Friday night uh-huh. shellacking that Auburn put on Penn State, there was no one at those games anymore because they realized that it was it was not the same as uh-huh. being in attendance. I don't know if I agree. I feel like Notre Dame every now and then will put up a competitive basketball team. But you're right about Rutgers. <laughs> I don't ever really think connect Rutgers and basketball. But Indiana, oh my gosh. And they get a tough matchup with Wyoming. I'm just glad that the Sun Belt's not in that first four like they were last year against App State because I feel like 
you insert the Sun Belt there into that Texas Southern or or A and M mm-hmm. game in, in that position right there. That's a pretty tough game uh, to to try to advance. And and I feel like you always find yourself kind of looking ahead when you're in that position of okay, you know, we got to get past this team and then we'll play whoever. Well, not only last year, the Mountaineers didn't make it past that team to play whoever. Well, not only that, Dusty, but it's just kind of a big downer for the conference when you're the conference champion and you still have to play in to get in, you know? So it is at least Georgia State isn't doing that play in. Although I think you're right. I think they're a little bit better than a 16th seed. But uh, yeah. It's nice that we don't have to suffer that indignity of the play-in game. But I do look forward to a future Sun Belt that can put out some basketball teams that can finally earn uh, a, a seed that can actually get us, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe another game in the NCAA tournament and get us a little, maybe a, even a longer moment and one shining moment montage at the end of the, at the, end of the tournament. Technically, last time Georgia State was in that one shining moment, there were two uh, instances, not only R.J. Hunter's shot, but also Ron Hunter falling off of his stool uh, that he was on. Yeah, and that was that was a great moment, not just for Georgia State, but for the Sun Belt. People were talking about that all the time. So, yeah, so maybe Georgia State, maybe we can arrange for uh, a, a sort of rigged chair and we can recreate that moment. I like it. I, I, I'm all for the staged photo moment. <laughs> ah, we should get Ben Moore and have him arrange for that. I'm sure he has that kind of pull. He'll probably be at the game, am I right? I would think so. Uh, I don't know where that Western tournament game is going to be at. My assumption would be somewhere in the Californias or Arizona. So some games we do know where they are yeah. will be. Uh-huh. The NIT. Yes. Texas State heading up the road to former Sunbelt Conference rival North Texas to face the Conference USA regular season champion there of the Mean Green. Your thoughts on this game? I like it. I think that this is a great matchup for the Bobcats and a chance for them to advance on, provided that they are able to kind of shake off that tournament funk that they had. Well, quite frankly, you know, North Texas is where Arkansas State's Grant McCaslin left for after one season at Arkansas State. So for me, there is a, a almost sort of sunbelt level of revenge in that game. I know Grant McCaslin's going to have his mean green ready, so it's going to be a really good game. Love to see that sort of Texas this kind of flavor. So there's going to be a lot of like fan interest in the Lone Star State for that. I think if you're gonna not going to be one of the uh, four, one of the top four seeds in the NIT to get North Texas and to have this kind of draw is pretty good for the Sun Belt and and good for the uh, good for state. The only thing is, I wish it was in San Marcos because I didn't realize this either. This will be the Bobcats' first ever appearance in the NIT. I did not know that. You would have thought that the Bobcats would have seen more success at the NIT. That's incredible. But you know what? If it weren't San Marcos, you would have been welcomed like a brother, and you guys could have, or you could have watched it personally. 
maybe. Uh, you know, it, it seems like it's a love-hate relationship there with the good old Bobcat fans. Sometimes they love me, sometimes they don't. Mostly they don't. But, you know, you know I, do, I, th- I do have a baseball trip planned over there to San Marcos in the coming weeks where we will try uh-huh. to uh, break bread together, drink beers, and, and watch the Bobcats baseball team hopefully get a win. Well, you know what? This is the goal. Seems to be the golden age of the Bobcats right now. Their baseball team's on fire. The the football team, I don't know, seems to be doing making some improvements. And this basketball team, twice in a row now, regular season champion, falls short in the tournament, which is a little bit crazy. I feel for the Texas State Bobcats, but I love them in this game. Have you? Let me ask you this before we go on and talk a little bit more about the NIT, a little bit more about the NCAA in general. I was going to ask, do you do you participate in a a a uh, we call a bracket challenge at all? I filled one out today for my full time job, and okay. I am displeased to say I don't. I, I try not to judge the bracket. Yeah, I just okay. look at a matchup by matchup, and I am displeased to say that Alabama is my national champion. Really? Huh, that's an interesting choice. But I too have an interesting choice. Mine came out to be I what you know, like put it together. I don't think in my head, uh, here's who I think is gonna win it, because I really don't know. I'm not that good at prognosticating games. But I, I went through the the challenge of looking at each game, thinking, all right, who I think would win this and who I think would win that. And I got Texas Tech winning the whole thing. Texas Tech. Guns up. That's that that's part of the Bobcats mantra. As you remember, Brent Freeman taught us that it was actually the state of Texas pointing to the heart of Texas. Oh, wow. Okay. Speaking of Texas, I'm looking back at the NIT. I'm just going to jump back and forth. See that Texas AM is in the NIT. That's the team that got screwed the most. I don't care what people say. You can't beat the teams you beat in the regular season, be runner uh-huh. up the SEC conference tournament, and now you're getting ready to, to face the Braves of Alcorn State. You're going to tell me that Texas A&M was less deserving than Rutgers, Notre Dame, than Indiana? I do. I, I am with you. You know what? I don't give a crap about the SEC, Dusty. And when people whine and complain – that their SEC team gets screwed, I usually just laugh. But this is an egregious error. This is this should be there should be prison time assigned to this. What is twenty three and eleven Texas A and M doing in the NIT? They want a little swagtastic action. Is the only thing I could think that they told the NCAA we don't want to go to the tournament. We want the Braves. I will tell you this. This is a stacked NIT tournament. You got Florida in there. You got Colorado State, or I'm sorry, Colorado, which a lot of people thought were, was maybe a, a NCAA team. You got St. Louis, a perennial NCAA team, making a visit to the NIT. There's just a lot of good action in here. Toledo, a lot of people wanted Toledo in the NCAA. My sleeper team, though, I think if Texas A&M doesn't win at all, they beat themselves. But my sleeper team is SMU out of the American Conference. I really feel that they have a chance to make some noise, make it at least to Madison Square Garden. Might not win at all, but I think if you're in New York playing, 
here in a couple of weeks. You're, you've uh, you've had a successful postseason. You know what? I, I liked SMU right up to the moment they played Memphis in the uh, in, in the uh, Conference USA semifinals. They're in the American, but yeah. Oh, did I say Conference USA? I'm sorry, the American. I know that you love some Conference USA, so I know they're always on your mind. They're always on my mind 24-7. Yes, the I was watching Memphis versus SMU in the American semifinals. And in that game, Memphis had two of its star players hurt in that game. And SMU came back uh, from behind at that point to make uh, to uh, to actually take the lead at one point, and then couldn't close it out. So it gave me a, a sense to me that maybe SMU has trouble closing things out. I mean, I feel like they're probably they're probably going to be pretty good in the NIT, but the way they finished out of the tournament just did not give me any confidence. I tell you who I like though. I, I, I like in this group as, as sort of a, a uh, I don't know, not necessarily a, well, well first of all, I'm just going to say I like Texas State, not just because I'm a Sunbelt homer or that I love the Boobcats, because I legitimately think they're a good team. But I really kind of like St. Louis, too. There's something about St. Louis, the way they play, I think could make a long run. They're not the Cardinals, just to let you know. Are they not the Cardinals? Okay. <laughs> No, they're those little uh, goofy, the the Billikens, right? The Billikens, that is correct. Some kind of devil, right? Speaking of the devil, it is the devil's magic Mm -hmm. that drives the basketball classic, the former CIT tournament. This is my favorite tournament because it's the style. Before you you go on, I'm just going to underscore what you just said. When Dusty says this is his favorite tournament, Dusty loves the old CBI. It's now the classic, right? This is the CIT. It, it is now called the Basketball Classic. Okay. It's yes. based, though, on the old NIT style where there's no true bracket. After you win, it's the best matchup. That way you're always on the edge of your seat. You're not sitting back going, oh, well, we have a good, easy path. It's a hard path. Huh? No. You got to play your best yep. game week after week. Until okay. you're in the finals. Okay. That is, you know what? You put on a hard sell. Who in the Sun Belt is in this tournament? We have three teams. We three. have Appalachian State. They're yeah. going to host a regional game there against USC Upstate out of the Big South. Okay. South Alabama will host a game as well as they host Southeastern Louisiana out of the Southland. Mm-hmm. And my favorite game. Okay. Coastal Carolina opening up on Wednesday night against Maryland East Shore of the MEAC. That game is also Mm -hmm. going to honor HBCU legend Zelmo Beatty, a two-time NAIA All-American at Prairie View A&M right here in my my town of H-Town. Yeah. He was the third overall NBA selection and played for 12 seasons in NBA and ABA, scoring over 15,000 points, about 17,000 more than you, Jeremy. I don't know. I I had my I had my time in the sun, sun in the ABA. Look it up. I made some records. Check it out. Actually, don't don't go online. And figure it out. You know what? Those are those are you know those Sun Belt games. To me, though, it seems like the Sun Belt has a pretty damn good chance of representing well in that uh, that little known but beloved tournament. 
I really like it. And, and you look at some of the other teams around, it's all kind of the lower mid-majors, and that's not to demean the, the, the Sun Belt or any of the teams in it, but you have the likes of Western Illinois against UTEP, Detroit Mercy uh-huh. at Dunk City of Florida Gulf Coast. Oh, man. Merrimack, Coast. <laughs> Merrimack travels to the storied 16 seed UMBC that was the only 16 to beat a one is in this tournament. Wow. You know, Morgan State, Youngstown State, the Penguins. You know, to see Florida Gulf and that UMBCXDLJ team, these darlings of the NCAA, to see them in this tournament, that's pretty good. This is a good tournament. This is a sneaky good tournament, Dusty. And I think you're beginning to win me over. Because at the beginning of the year, I scoffed. I said, these tournaments, I don't give a rat's ass about. But you have sold me with the enthusiasm with which you delivered these teams to me. Thank you very much. Two years after ULM fell in the CBI to Loyola <laughs> of Chicago, uh-huh. where were they? I believe they were back in the NCAA. In the Final Four, as, <laughs> as the nation's team. Yeah. They rose from the CBI to that level. These tournaments are important. But with that said, we talked earlier about Texas A&M being the team that got screwed. Here's the team that got screwed. Let's hear it. New Orleans travels to Portland uh-huh. for a Saturday night 10 p.m. game. Oh, shit. That's horrendous, Dusty. I love your Pioneers. Uh-huh. I like your Pioneers. I don't love your Pioneers. Uh-huh. I, I will probably be Z-ing by that time. Yeah, that's going to be tough. Are you watching the play-in games tonight? Yes. Texas Southern, swagtastic against the Southland. Definitely cheering for former Sunbelt Coach of the Year, Johnny Jones, and hoping that he can get his Tigers mm-hmm. into the dance again. Yeah, yeah. Now, what what is it on? It's like True TV. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I believe that's correct, that it's on True TV and uh, is – Tipping off, uh, I think, right around 6 o'clock Central Time. So we, we we definitely need to wrap up because we haven't talked about the biggest game yet, Jeremy. What's that, the game of life? Yes. <laughs> we had Troy women's head coach Chanda Rigby on a couple weeks back. That's right. I remember that. She said she, her job was to niche the Troy Trojans into the state of Alabama for basketball where it wasn't Alabama, it wasn't Auburn, it was Troy. Uh, that's they, a big that's a big task. They won the, the Sunbelt Conference, get the yeah. automatic bid into the women's NIT tournament, and now mm-hmm. they get to host the Alabama Crimson Tide to open it up. Yes, I believe I saw on social media some Troy uh, trash talk with the sort of we want Bama flair to it so the fans are definitely into it and uh you know what here's a little bit of history getting it all back to me arkansas women versus a state women met in the nit in the 80s or maybe it was 90s and arkansas state won so there was a we still remember that game it's a big sense of pride so we will be rooting for troy to take down alabama and uh, see where that goes. Alabama. Way, I, got, 
I got some more Arkansas State news. Would you like some more Arkansas State news? I will after this. Alabama, 11-7 and seven record in the, the WNIT. Troy never won a postseason game. So it's an uphill battle, but I, in, in Chanda, we trust. <laughs> we, we love Chanda. And we're, we are giving her a Fun Belt podcast. Sun Belt, let's go. When does that game start? That is on the 27th. Okay, I'll be ready for that. All right, I'm going to share some A-State news that just broke. Arkansas State has extended the contract of Mike Blotto for two more years after Norchad O'Meara has pledged to play at least one more year at Arkansas State. So it's sort of the status quo remains at Arkansas State. Some fans are like, eh, and some fans are pretty excited about that. So we'll see. Another example of where the Fun Belt podcast pays off. That's right. He was on the show. And look, when you get on the show, you get contract extensions. That you do. So obviously the last basketball game, UTA wins the Sunbelt Conference. They're going to the dance. Senior star Jacobs, the difference maker there to propel the Mavs past the Trojans. They have a tall order. They drew the 14th seed. They'll play Iowa State. It's going to be star bust. She is the true one difference maker that even gives them somewhat of a chance. Uh huh. But my money's on the Cyclones. You know what? Here's the thing, too, especially about women's basketball, is that there is still a dividing line between the big programs and then the mid-major programs. So I, you, like, I saw that in person when I saw A-State versus University of Arkansas this year. The athletes are just bigger and faster and stronger and the benches are deeper so uta i god bless you mavericks and by the way good luck on your journeys past the sun belt after this game but you've got a huge task to beat somebody from the big 12 and we'll be rooting for you 100 dusty i hey dusty i pledge 100 but i want you to match my 100 pledge no nah, i'm good at 50 <laughs> would it be great though if the Mavericks would represent the Sun Belt with a ch- N- or NCAA championship and then be like we're out of here beasts good for them if, if that's what it takes but just like remember when we had uh, Carl Benson on talking yep. about Coastal Carolina to win the yeah. uh, College World Series they still had the Big South on the jerseys they did, but they, it was one more day, That right? They one more day, win. but hey, the Mavs will still have fun belt, so yeah. win, baby, win. Yeah, we'll take that. We will take that trophy. We, Speaking we, of winning and yeah. trophies, for just the third time in history, uh-huh. we have an NCAA championship that was picked <laughs> up this past weekend. Coastal Carolina, right? Coastal Carolina, Melissa, Melissa Jeffries picked up the, the championship in the 60-meter dash, her 7.09 time, the fastest in school in conference history, seventh fastest all-time NCAA at the women's indoor track and field. Amazing accomplishment. Congratulations. You know, here's the thing about the Sun Belt is I always thought it could become a powerful track and field conference. And to me, this is just another stepping stone towards that. And the reason why I believe that one, it's in that SEC footprint, which has also established a has established a pretty good track and field. But two, it's a warm weather site, 
So you get to train year round outdoors if you need to. So I feel like the Sun Belt could carve its niche in this. I know Arkansas State has good programs. I know I think Georgia State might have a few good programs. I know I know Texas or uh, uh, Texas State definitely has a good program. So to uh, to see that kind of barrier broken by an athlete from Coastal Carolina, congratulations, well done. Well, Jeremy, that was fun talking NCAA yeah. basketball. Talked with Sunbelt legend Chad Bell. Yeah, Chad Bell. And everything in between. So let me ask you this. What are you doing Thursday? It sounds like I'm doing something with you. No, you're not doing anything with me. I'm golfing with myself. But it'll be NCAA. It'll be the first two days, right? I mean, besides the play-in game. So we'll oh. be watching that, right? Well, if my boss listens, no, I will be hard at work at my desk. And... <laughs> um, I have the door closed and the lights uh-huh. fully focus. I tell you what, when I did the nine to five for a company, you know, you'd have that computer program on where you'd see maybe a little bit of the game and then boss come by and you'd flip over to the uh, Excel document or the uh, Microsoft work hard at work, but secretly you're watching NCAA basketball. You can, man, I know you're new to the brand. You're kind of new to this brand new job. You want to look good, but you got to find some way to watch some of these games. Without a doubt, I will be. And on that note, Jeremy, I leave you with parting shots, plugs, and promos. Parting shots. Well, it's been fairly slow for the Red Red Wolves baseball tanking, but there has been some news in regards to basketball and some other news is that we've hired a brand new volleyball coach. He is an assistant that had had been uh, with the program a few years ago. He's coming back after spending some time at Houston. I suddenly forget his name. I hope you I hope you forget for that Dusty Dibino, but I will be looking into some of the new coaching changes at Arkansas State in the next edition of howraiser.com. My plug, Warhawks got a huge basketball commit this past week. The 5A most outstanding player out of the championship, the Marsh Madness, as they call it. Jalen Bolden out of Zachary High School committed to the Warhawks. This guy's a playmaker. He was averaging easily in the high double digits. Saw where you guys do it. He had 20, 30, 40 points. He's a guy that's going to really help get the, the Warhawks up and going. Is he going to be a replacement for Harrison, or is he going to be better than Harrison? I think he's a little bit better. And he's a high school kid, so you have him for a little bit longer. Nice, because Harrison was pretty darn good. He was tough to defend and tough to play against. So if you have him, now you get another year of Metaklechekkanavdi. The Georgian Wonder will be back. This was just his first year, so three more years to go. I think what you guys are building with the Warhawks sounds like a pretty solid team. Fingers crossed, as always. Looking forward to it, Jeremy, for the next episode when we will tackle some more fun belt issues. <laughs>